0: Welcome to the UDIA Queensland's Development Drum podcast, where we learn from members about the property sector, and at the same time, get to know your industry colleagues a little bit better. Hi, my name is Chelsea, and today we're with Emma Burkett. My guest today is in the first decade of her career and spent that time with a major publicly listed development company since graduating from university. Now an assistant development manager on Mervac's Gainsborough Greens project, we are so pleased to have the opportunity to explore what it's like starting out in the property industry with Emma. Thanks for agreeing to burn some daylight with me, Emma. Welcome.
1: Thanks, Chelsea.
0: So as we've discussed, the purpose of this podcast is to get to know our industry colleagues a little bit better and learn about how you spend your days, what motivates you and and why you get out of bed in the morning to go and do your job. So I'd like to start with a a warm-up question. Tell us about what a typical day looks like for you. It changes every day, to be honest. I think that's probably the
1: nature of property development, working across so many disciplines. I'd say up until now, at least, I have been really focusing on getting my head around my measurables. So the FISO, the construction program, the team structure, consultancy agreement, all the stuff that you can measure because it's a steep learning curve. I think inevitably you can, you could be a FISO wizard, but you're not a civil engineer. You could be a civil engineer, you're not a town planner. (laughs) So yeah, I think I'm probably getting to a point now where I'm getting more comfortable in that space and I'm starting to now try and shift my mentality into the contingency management space. So it's actually funny, Belinda Ryan, my boss, years ago, she actually said to me that like development management is contingency management. It's like you can have the most bulletproof program time management, but your assumptions will only take you so far. (laughs) It's inevitable that, you know, stuff will come up. And I'm pretty fortunate to have Belinda in my line of sight in that respect because she is an excellent contingency manager. She's great. She's very agile and adaptable. And I think that's, at this stage in my career, I'm really trying to be self-aware on what my strengths and weaknesses are. And those are the qualities that I really want to emulate in a development manager. So that's probably where I'm trying to shift to at the moment, getting found my feet. I feel like I'm ascending up the learning curve as (laughs) steep as it has been. And um, yeah,
0: now I'm trying to really be a better people manager, I think, more than anything. So you left uni six years ago now, is that right? God, yes. <laughs> Has the reality of working in the property industry kind of aligned with what you, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed Annie <laughs> thought it was going to be?
1: Yeah, I think it's probably important to note I didn't do property economics at university. I did um, business economics. Mm-hmm. And so while I knew that I wanted to get into property development, my like applied property learning slash experience was pretty limited. I kind of went in blind. I knew that I was really interested in the business side of things. So your fees, your markets, all that, the business stuff, which definitely has rung true living it now. And I've been really pleasantly surprised with how much I'm enjoying the construction side of things now that I live it every day. Belle and I really make a point to get out to site weekly and do weekly construction meetings, which obviously isn't as fun as like the built form weekly meetings being in MPC, land space. But it is, it's really important for us to kind of get a, be the eyes on the ground and get into the thick of it because it's certainly an area that I
0: want to learn more. How do you explain your job at a barbecue? I mean, do young people have oh barbecues anymore? But-
1: <laughs> it's so funny you ask that because I, I got asked this question the other day and I literally just gave up trying to explain it because I think... The nature of property development, working across so many disciplines, in any given day, you could be managing the finance team, the sales and marketing team, the construction team, the, you know, the civil engineers, the landscape architects. It's such a diverse role. Are you kind
0: of like the connector between all the parties? That's it.
1: And I think it's probably just, if you could say like you, it's your job to steer the ship. Well, it's my job to assist Bell, I guess, technically in, in steering the ship and, um, getting the product
0: out of the ground ultimately. And is that the most exciting part, it coming out of the ground? What's the best bit for you?
1: Yeah, I I would say probably that email when we send, and and I'm speaking very much in a kind of land subdivision, Mm -hmm. master plan community space, but probably that email, I think particularly coming from starting out in settlements when I was kind of managing that customer Mm -hmm. journey with the contract admin and covenants management, it definitely would have been sending that email been like, the roads are open. <laughs> Go and get your Kodak moment on your um, block
0: of dirt. <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell me what maybe some of the, the least favourite parts are of your role? Oh, that's a tough question. Is Warwick listening? Um, he could be. Hi, Warwick, if you are. <laughs> please look curious now. now. Um,
1: to be honest, I think I, I, I don't want to say it's the least favourite. Or but maybe would, the hardest part. The hardest part would just de- genuinely be the diversification in the role, Mm -hmm. because ultimately you can't be an expert in everything. It is absolutely a steep learning curve coming into a development position. It's probably by way of background. So I started with Mervac in 2015. I was still partway through my degree. Mm -hmm. And I started with the settlements team. So working in your land subdivision master plan community space. And it was really good in the sense that in that role, I got to kind of see the customer journey from start to finish and you get an insight from like the inside out. And and, and because you're dealing with builders and customers, you kind of, you speak in layman's terms, which is mm-hmm. brilliant for someone in an entry level <laughs> position. But it also in hindsight gave me really good exposure because the settlements team work across projects at Mervac. It gave me really good exposure to different projects, different markets, different development managers and how they do business. So while eventually, I mean, I think I stayed I was in with the settlements team for a three and a bit years in total. and then the last two years, including my hybrid position, I moved into the development team. It was a steep learning curve, but it also kind of i because I'd worked on the project for upwards of five years, it was kind of you don't realize how familiar you are with some of the more technical concepts until you've lived it, and then you're like, ah, oh, this makes sense from that customer journey perspective.
0: Well, it looks like, I mean, obviously you mentioned that you started working, I think, on Everly as a settlement executive, or that was one of the projects you worked across. So you've had career progression at Murbach. Is that nice? It's
1: been brilliant. I feel really fortunate to work not only with some of the development managers that I do, but also just the the support that I felt. It's, it's interesting when you think of, um, you know, the whole mentor conversation, which sometimes can be awkward. Um, <laughs> I didn't I didn't find the people who I would consider to be mentors in like a formal networking mm-hmm. setting. Um, I genuinely have just had found p- the people who I would consider to be mentors today are just people that I've had really good working relationships with and that have organically kind of progressed over time. In hindsight, actually, I was I was quite bold back in the day. <laughs> like I, I yeah, really... so many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> back in the day in 2015. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I was. I I really wasn't, I really wasn't shy to kind of get in the development manager's faces and be like, give me more responsibility. I want to write the builder's portal. I want to do the design guidelines Mm -hmm. or whatever it might be in an NPC setting. And yeah, I do. I acknowledge my privilege in many ways that I was really, and I still am so fortunate to work in an environment where that one, the safe to speak environment, clearly that Mm -hmm. I was as comfortable as I was kind of (laughs) nagging them. But also, yeah, that they were very receptive. And and I, I think it, it rings true that if you are willing to kind of speak up and lean in, as they say, yes. um, you know, the, the right people will
0: say, all right, have a go. You've made a bit of noise. (laughs) We just want you to stop talking. So here's an opportunity. (laughs) That's Uh, it. It seems like you're on our Developing Leaders panel and that's a group of people uh, for the benefit of listeners at the EDIA who are under 30. And they talk about, I think, issues that are more important to the younger demographic within the membership and that's why we're doing the podcast to uh, provide more context and insight into, you know, a range of people who are in the industry. And I find most people in the industry to be quite generous with their time. It seems to me though that a lot of the younger members want to get involved in networking rather than being too concerned with what we do from an advocacy perspective at the EDIA. Would you say that's fair? Oh, it's interesting actually you
1: ask that because I, this is probably my first opportunity of really going out into that kind of insular young people demographic and property. I've been, as I say, because a lot of the people that I work with have been in that more secondary level of their career. It's more, I guess, would you say like tertiary level of the career mm-hmm. as opposed to undergrad or whatever it would be. But yes, yeah, so I'm probably still new to it to comment actually. I think it, it's, I mean,
0: everyone loves a good bar networking session. I know I do. Do you find it hard? Do you have to push yourself to speak to people? Or when you come to our events, and I did see an event the other day, do you find it hard to talk to people other than the people you know? It, it gets easier. I think sometimes
1: you really have to force yourself, particularly when you go with your colleagues. It's so easy just to stand and speak to the people you know, and, and people watch really. Yes, um, that's it's the best great bit. People watching, <laughs> but yeah, no, it definitely it's it's got a lot easier. I think when you've been in the property industry for a couple of years, you do start. It's, it, Brisbane is such a small place, so you do use familiar faces crop up. And there's nothing cooler than going to a networking event when you found someone from another company and you're like, oh my God, I just like, (laughs) I actually know that person. And we had a comfortable conversation. What? It's yeah, no, there's a a feeling of um, accomplishment, but it did. It took a little while. Initially, you just feel like a fish out of water.
0: Yeah. I think it's really hard. Do you have any tips? Tell us your secrets, Emma
1: ask questions and also like whatever the topic is. Like I know Belle and I will attend mm-hmm. a lot of Greenfield, Land Supply, Bernard Salt. Yes, Bernard fan. Salt.
0: <laughs> I know, fangirl. I wasn't going to bring it up but you have now. I did chew your off about that the other day. But
1: yeah, I think, I think sparking up conversation of the topic and, and also just not being shy to kind of just be aware of your vulnerability a little bit. Like I think sometimes you're not an expert in the room. There's always going to be someone more senior. There's always going to be someone more clever, more likely. But I think, you know, if you just kind of put yourself out there and be the one to like speak first sometimes, because everyone's in the same position.
0: Fast forward five years, what do you want to be doing in the property industry? I'm pretty keen to
1: stay in the delivery space for the foreseeable future. I've definitely still got a lot to learn. I really enjoy the acquisition side of things as well. Bell and I have been dipping our toe in the uh, new business space for a little while. And I do enjoy acquisitions. I think it's just because the fees are easier, to be honest. You're not dealing with older assumptions (laughs) like I do on an established project. But, yeah, definitely just stay in in the delivery space, I think.
0: Okay, and are you undertaking or are you looking at any other training or is it really just mostly, you know, being on the job and soaking up Bell's knowledge?
1: Yeah, to, to be honest at the moment, now that I'm feeling like I've found my feet, I would probably consider going back and doing a Master's, but you've really got to just weigh up. They're expensive. Education is not cheap and I think that it's it's something you really need to toss up because if you're particularly, I'm very fortunate to work at a publicly listed company surrounded by the people that I do. So I think there's a real value in just understanding that the experience that I'm getting on the ground right now is, is invaluable. And I don't really need to be pushing, like burning the candle at both ends. There potentially might come a time where I'm a bit more hands off on the delivery side of things that I feel like I've got more time, but certainly not. At the minute. (laughs) We're smack bang in the middle of bulk earthworks at the minute, so.
0: You have no appetite for anything else. What would you say to someone who's looking, you know, might be a school leaver, might already be in the throes of, you know, first year uni, what kind of skills should they focus on or how might they get their first job? How do they get their foot in the door? Obviously, you took a settlement uh, associate role and then that's grown into something else. Do you think you've just got to find a way in any way you can and then kind of work your way up?
1: Yeah, you've, you've really got to um, get yourself out there in that final year of university. I did a internship with a builder, which was brilliant, and I was actually working in their development space, which was brilliant on my resume ultimately when I, when I came to apply for the role at Mervac. But I I think your skills, I think we were discussing this before. It's like university at the end of the day is a piece of paper. There is absolutely, I won't lie, there is certain elements of the business economic side of things that I did that I do apply in my day-to-day role now, particularly in that kind of market feasibility numbers space. But more than anything, I think it's so important to get in and work really, really hard. Like there is, I think, I... Particularly in that first couple of years when I was a settlement associate, I did not take one day for granted. I was adamant that I was going to be, or at least try to be, one of the hardest working people in the room, and really just kind of look for opportunities in the role. Because it's one thing to come into an entry level role and scan paper, you know, you know, just kind of tick the boxes, and it's another to take it and go, I need to use this as an opportunity and find f- find a niche that's a hole that's been. A gap that's been missed, and particularly in a property development industry, it is so fast-paced. It's competitive. Like there, there will be gaps, and if you are confident enough to kind of lean in, as they say, it sounds cringe, but like you know, if you if you find an opportunity to to work hard and and make genuine relationships with your team more than anything, then the rest should um, hopefully. Fall into place when the opportunity arrives.
0: You talk about working hard. How long is a typical day for you? I mean, you have beautiful offices, so I wouldn't blame you (laughs) for languishing there. Uh, It's kind of like a resort whenever we come to a meeting at Mervac. It feels like home. We get offered sparkling water, it's amazing. Um, (laughs) How long is a typical week for you? Are you putting in a 40, 45 hour week? What are you doing?
1: Well, we do flexible working. So um, to be honest, I, I couldn't tell you what a typical work week would be because particularly since covid obviously the whole thing mm, blown it up yeah that's it <laughs> but um it can range from being on site to writing a b- approval to commence construction paper which can be quite bureaucratic and Then it can be, you know, sitting with the sales team and the marketing team for hours on end, trying to understand exactly how we're positioning the next release. So it's hard work, but it is really enjoyable. And I think there's a lot to be said for enjoying what you do. And as I said, we do do flexible working. And so, yes, while the commitment is... It's a full week commitment, absolutely, but you can kind of really, you
0: you feel a sense of freedom within that role. In terms of expanding your knowledge base, and I'll make this my last question, as a younger member, you sound hungry for knowledge and hungry for experience and you're getting a lot of that in your role at Mervac, but do you look at any of the information or research we put out or is coming to events your way of kind of gleaning insights from the likes of Bernard Salt?
1: bit of both. I think working in your master plan community space, I'm a regular at the Greenfield, the land supply, we love that. A lot of people in the office actually enjoy that one. I love Bernard Salt.
0: (laughs) Can can we please just have a moment to acknowledge that Emma (laughs) loves Bernard Salt and then we can move on. Yep.
1: And I also really enjoy the podcast. When it was previously, yeah, I remember. I um, it was a gentleman from Sekisui that I I I do find valuable. I think it's interesting, as I say, Brisbane is such a small place, and it's it's nice to hear from other local people. And I I also really enjoy having the opportunity to network with people who work in a private setting as opposed to public, Mm because it is really different. And sometimes it can be kind of insular in that way. And so I really try to make an effort to to establish connections, one with the consultants in a private setting, but also the UDIA events are an excellent opportunity to kind of uh, see how things are done on the other side, agile, all those sorts of things, the the benefits that come with that, and then the constraints ultimately that can come with it too.
0: And if people want to get in touch, what's the best way to reach
1: you, Emma? Um, LinkedIn would probably be best, otherwise through Murvac.
0: All right, awesome. I've loved chatting with you, Emma. Thanks so much for your time and we'll leave it there. Pleasure. Thanks, Chelsea. Thanks for listening to the UDIA Queensland's Development Drum podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure having you, and if you want to hear more episodes, visit udiaqld.com.au forward slash podcasts. Send us your comments and questions via marketing at udiaqld.com.au. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favourite podcast app. We'll be releasing a new episode every month, so we look forward to having you back.